0: Welcome to Boobs Aren't Worth Dying For, the podcast dedicated to integrative health and healing from breast cancer and breast cancer treatment using the best of conventional and natural medicine. Your host, Deborah Beaumont, is an advanced practice nurse, functional medicine practitioner, and fellow breast cancer survivor. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Boobs Aren't Worth Dying For. I'm Deborah Beaumont, and I'm your host. I'm really excited about our show today because I'm going to be interviewing someone who is an expert in acupuncture, which I think is a really wonderful alternative therapy that we have at our disposal. My friend and colleague, Farrah Duro, is joining us to talk about acupuncture and actually how it can be used during and after treatment and an overall picture of our healing. I want to tell you a little bit about Farah. She is a reproductive acupuncture and oriental medicine practitioner at Florida Complete Wellness in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. She is a fellow of the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine since 2008, and after overcoming her own struggles with PCOS and endometriosis using a combination of traditional Chinese medicine and other natural methods, she... Has had tremendous joy in sharing her methods with other women and beginning her own podcast, which is the PCOS Revolution. Farah has specialized in the treatment of PCOS, infertility, and hormone imbalances with acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine for 15 years, and has a passion for women's health and wellness. This has led her to advanced pregnancy training and Arvayo techniques of Maya abdominal oh, therapy. It's Arvigo. <laughs> it's a tough. It's a tough thing to say. I know, <laughs> and publication of her book. The Smart Couple's Guide to Getting Pregnant, An Integrative Approach. I wanted to invite Farah here today because I've actually been contacted by a couple of clients in the last couple of weeks who are actually trying to figure out fertility and getting pregnant in the face of having to make decisions around breast cancer treatment. Unfortunately, breast cancer has always been thought of as a disease of older women. And in reality, a bulk of women in their 30s and 40s are actually dealing with this. The statistics around breast cancer is that breast cancer is being diagnosed at earlier and earlier ages. I have personally known and worked with clients who have been diagnosed in their 20s. So in addition to all of the very difficult choices we have to make around treatment and hormone management, we then have to figure out family planning and our ability to get pregnant in there. You know, that's not necessarily something that you just need to abandon because you got diagnosed with cancer. So that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to bring Farah today to talk to us, because this is really an area where she blends the best of oriental medicine with functional medicine, and I think she has a lot to share with us. So that was a little bit of a long introduction, but Farah, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, now, you're a doctor of oriental medicine, but one of the main modalities that you use is acupuncture, correct? Yes. One of the things I'd like to do is I'd like to introduce our listeners who have not experienced acupuncture to what it is, because I think there's, if you've never had it, there can be a lot of misconceptions and anxiety and fear about what acupuncture is. So can you just talk about what it is and what an experience of getting an acupuncture treatment might be like in terms of the needles and how you use them?
1: Right. I mean, the word puncture brings up a lot of uh, triggers for some pe- people. Most people are scared of needles, so, tend to just really try to relax our patients into thinking, you know, these are hair thin needles. Literally, you can fit them inside a hypodermic needle. That's how tiny they are. When we talk about acupuncture, it's a very gentle treatment. We even treat four-year-olds who actually laugh through some of the treatments. So, very, it's very gentle. Obviously, there are different practitioners with different treatment styles, but very gentle, relaxing treatment. And it can be used for all kinds of things, especially for someone who has been newly diagnosed with cancer or also who's been going through treatment and, and also in recovery.
0: Yeah, I wanted to really delve into that because I personally have used acupuncture during an, a treatment and afterwards. And so I was really hoping you could talk about what are some of the main benefits or main reasons that somebody going through this process of treatment and recovery, what benefits could they expect from getting acupuncture?
1: Well, I mean, you know, interestingly, this is actually not just you know other practitioners saying this, but there's been research. On acupuncture with breast cancer, mainly, and all kinds of forms of cancer, but breast cancer has probably been the most researched with acupuncture. They set out actually in 2014 some clinical guidelines for other practitioners to really figure out which treatments, like integrative or complementary treatments, are actually going to be the most effective for cancer patients, and particularly breast cancer patients. So some treatments are not recommended, and others uh, have strong evidence, or um, at least you know some evidence to recommend that they are supportive and helpful. Um, so those are the ones I wanted to really go into. I mean, acupuncture is one of them, along with a few other things that, that are definitely helpful. So this is actually being, it was published in a major cancer journal. Looking through um, these methods, I mean, it actually, when I've spoken to to groups or patients with breast cancer, it's given them actually a foundation to kind of research more into these um, you know, complementary integrative therapies. And uh, at the best estimate, around 70 to 80% of, of patients who are going through breast cancer treatment are using some form of integrative treatment. So it's it's it actually is moving to see which ones are the most effective, I think.
0: Well, I love the fact that you talk about the fact that there is research around this and that it's been published in mainstream publications uh, around breast cancer treatment. Because one of my concerns as an integrative practitioner is that there are a lot of practitioners, there are a lot of beliefs, there are a lot of opinions and theories. The term integrative health is a big umbrella. And, you know, basically anybody who's not an MD following traditional oncology falls under that umbrella. So I really personally am drawn to practices, supplements, treatments, and things that actually have scientific evidence behind them, or at least research. Uh, Because there's a lot of opinions out there, people are saying a lot of things that might sound good, but just don't have any evidence one way or another. So I really like the fact that this area of Oriental Medicine has a lot of that evidence-based research.
1: Right. And basically, this uh, these things that we're going to talk about, this is basically uh, clinical trials that were published between 1990 and 2013, and they were organized by specific conditions like anxiety, stress, fatigue, pain. The, basically, when all of these were organized uh, to find out which one is the most effective, um, they published these results around December 2015 uh, as basically... A, as a guide for other practitioners, um, this was done by Society of Integrative oncology and this is not to say that this is standard of care or everyone has to follow it, but this is a, a, a recommendation is basically um, the therapy should be considered as viable it 's not the singular option, but it should be a viable option for patients that have these symptoms or these side effects and you know they are actually going to uh, the ones that they are recommended basically show. Uh, very little to no side effects whatsoever right. when used. So I think that, you know, most of the time when we're looking at um, different forms of, of integrative healthcare, care, um, we're not talking about, um, well, this is the only treatment, this is the be all end all, this is actually going to complement the care that they're already receiving.
0: And I think that 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 sometimes can trip people up feeling like this has to be a cure or um, that it's an either or choice. I really like the fact that, you know, it's called complementary treatment for a reason. It can really complement whatever level of traditional care people are engaged in. Because as I've said many times on the podcast, I don't find a lot of women going through this are ready to walk away from all conventional treatment and just do alternative. There are some, but a lot of people aren't there. So I think we need to find things that, that work together to create the best possible outcome. And sometimes that may be symptom management. It's not a cure, but it, sometimes it can really help with some of these debilitating side effects and symptoms from treatment that Western medicine doesn't really have a good response to.
1: Right. They graded them actually A, B, C, D, and H and I, I believe, or like didn't show any benefit or maybe suggesting harm. The uh, A, B, and C grades actually were the ones that were recommended and showed the most um, benefit to the patients. So those are the ones that we're going to talk about. And um, they also are being used in places like uh, Sloan Kettering Cancer Center and um, different, you know, different cancer centers across the United States as well. So
0: So can you start talking about what some of those are, what the A, B, and C conditions are?
1: Yeah. I mean, in our practice, we see a lot of patients with anxiety and um, so who want to address the anxiety and and the stress reduction part. And, you know, we actually use a combination of A, B, and C (laughs) for us uh, during a single treatment. We can talk about these specifically like individual treatments, but um, you can actually uh, combine these to get, a, I think, an even stronger result and a better result. So for instance, meditation is, is a great A, recommended for reducing anxiety, uh, along with music therapy and um, stress management. So those things actually, in addition to acupuncture, can formulate one session for us. We're going to actually use meditation during an acupuncture session with music therapy. And then we're going to talk about breathing and how we can address the anxiety once it comes up. And so I think that when you, it's hard to single things out with you know, certain types of treatments because we actually will combine those. And a lot of acupuncturists will. Massage was also rated beneficial, so for you know, reducing anxiety. So all of those can be combined or you can do separately. And a lot of times for our patients, we download anxiety visualization meditations uh, that they can do at home. So just for like a few minutes before bed, I think we've talked about this on my podcast and we talked about breathing. Um, it's something that sounds really simple, but so effective
0: well it's interesting because this is a really great conversation because what i do in my groups which i've been talking about on the podcast because i'm i'm going to be doing a group it includes what i call mind body practices but they're the same things it's it's meditation it's breathing it's using music and movement therapy to what they what they talk about in scientific world is moving from this state of stress you know the fight or flight response into what's called the rest West and digest, or you called it something different the other day. Feed I and forget- breed,
1: and uh, yeah, right. feed and breed in the yeah, fight or flight, right?
0: Yeah. You know, f- f- feed and breed and rest and digest. And, you know, basically what it's saying is that when we're, we're in these hyper um, stressed states, our body secretes chemicals that, that shut down our digestion, that shut down our immune system, that shut down our reproduction. It, it has multiple physical effects. And so doing something as simple as a five minute breathing exercise, can actually, in a very fast way, move your body from that fight or flight to this rest and digest. And it's something that you can do Anytime during the day, I've, I've actually done it when I've been in meetings, and when I've been working, and I've been very high stress, and I just start breathing, and I can feel my body actually changing after I've practiced it enough where it becomes automatic, and your body is like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to be doing that now. But as you said, it sounds really simple, but it's incredibly powerful, and there is an incredible amount of scientific evidence-based research that shows it's got tremendous health benefits.
1: Right and I mean, actually, these studies showed that uh, longer group programs are better than the self administered home programs or shorter programs. so if you are in a group program it's actually the research shows that that's going to have a stronger effect in stress management and anxiety um, than it's than trying to do it alone right uh, so the power of a group is really strong, and you know a lot of times um a lot of these studies are going to find that meditation is the number one gold standard for depression, mood uh, disturbances, and anxiety. Um, so, th- but it sounds like it's so far fetched. Like meditation, how am I going to do that? Um, but. Just, you know, I think having the benefit of a group or someone to actually help you or even meditation apps, things like that, um, it's a great start. You can do moving meditations. You can do just a few minutes a day. It doesn't have to be a whole hour, you know, sitting on the floor um, in front of a guru, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, But, I mean, getting into uh, the other recommendations that they found, um, you know, mind-body techniques, meditation, grade A, recommended top of, uh, top of the chart as far as um, for mood disturbances, anxiety, and depression. So, one of the, very important.
0: One of the things that I, I like to teach in my groups, because when I hear meditation, <laughs> uh, sometimes there's like an internal groan, because I'm not the kind of person that can sit down and meditate for 45 minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. Some people can, but that's really intimidating if you're somebody who feels like you can't or you've never done it. That's a long time. So that's one of the reasons why I like to teach a very simple five-minute breathing meditation. And also, not all meditation has to be sitting down and be in a contemplative state. That is one form of meditation. But as you just mentioned, there's also... Something called a moving meditation. So I've got some music that I actually use, and I teach people a moving meditation. So, and sometimes, um, you know, it's a I call it it's a it's a shaking meditation. So, um, but it's a great way to release energy. Like if you're really wound up and you're really um, high energy, it can be really hard to sit down and get quiet. So if you can just really turn that into a moving meditation and something that still brings you into your body and still brings you into the present moment, but doesn't involve sitting down. Down and trying to focus and concentrate and slow down, sometimes that's just more accessible to people. So I love the fact that you mentioned that.
1: Mm, yes. And as far as um, mood disturbance and depression, anxiety, that's a major thing uh, going through this. I mean, being diagnosed with cancer in general, um, you know, as you know, is, is extremely trying. So um, that was what's recommended along with yoga, massage, music therapy, and acupuncture. Um, and healing touch. So, there's those are just some of the things that can help with um, elevating the mood, and um, and when we look at you know the other big whammy is is a fatigue. Um, so that's one thing that a lot of, a lot of patients are coming in for us for. It's just like, I, I just can't. I just feel so tired. I, I'm like moving through mud, you know. So, the, uh, you know, yoga uh, and acupuncture are also recommended for improving post-treatment fatigue. Um, so some of our patients will come after a chemo or radiation session. And we're doing not very many points, honestly, not a whole lot of acupuncture points, because there are just some really key points that are very good at helping with, maintaining energy. If you overdo it, which is possible with acupuncture, you can end up feeling drained. So that's something that you want to go to a practitioner that is experienced in treating patients with cancer or going through cancer treatment.
0: Well, that's interesting that you talk about the fatigue because I know this is something we talk about privately. I feel that fatigue and brain fog are the two things that can be debilitating on a long term basis after treatment is done particularly radiation i've noticed women really complaining about pretty intense fatigue after radiation has finished. And that can go on months. And I've actually worked with clients who it's been going on for years, two and three years. So those are some of the post-treatment issues that can be debilitating. And I know one of the things that you and I both do is not only do some of the mind-body interventions, but one of the first things we do is really focus in on doing some hormone testing. And some lab testing, because a lot of that is very simply hormonally induced. Chemotherapy, radiation and surgery, exhaustion, stress, all of that takes a toll on our hormones. It takes a toll on our thyroid, on our our. Um, adrenal hormones, on our glucose regulation, all of those things that give us that sense of having a good sense of energy or not. And I know that uh, we talk about that all the time, you know, in terms of of our practices, and we work together around um, consulting to kind of figure that out for patients, because it's it's such a significant problem. And I really want to underline that for our, our listeners, because I just want to emphasize that if you're feeling that, it's not that it's all in your head. And so many times women are dismissed or discounted or told it's all in their head or, or just not really given the serious consideration that I think that it needs to have. And so I'm really glad to hear that there's another modality to help with that, which is acupuncture.
1: Yes, definitely. Along with talking to someone who is knowledgeable, too, with about hormone testing and who is not going to be dismissive uh, and say, well, it's all in your head, you know, uh, because there are hormonal reasons. I mean, I, you know, the medications are also have side effects. And, you right. know, just getting through that is really important, even after, you know, how many months did it take you to feel back to normal after going through treatment, you know? I mean, that's, that's something that, um, that we work with as well, just the recovery time uh, and helping. And as we,
0: we were talking about yesterday, we were doing a consultation over a client, all too often going to doctors, what they're doing is prescribing medication, antidepressants, you know, giving more and more medication, which you need to think about, that's, that's what doctors have to offer. I'm not, I'm not bashing that. But at the end of the day, is it really helping? You know, that's the first question I ask when someone tells me they've been on antidepressants. I, I My first question is, is it helping? And I've mm-hmm. got to tell you, more often than not, it's not. But women are, are taking that because they don't know anything else to do. I mean, physically, I could do a whole thing on antidepressants, but sometimes it can help initially because of some of the chemical changes that it causes, but then that wears off and then, in a long term it 's not helping with your mood anyway and right. these a lot of these medications have side effects which are contributing to the fatigue, the brain fog, and the exhaustion so it 's a double edged sword
1: right and um, interesting in this in this report, they did not recommend any dietary supplements at all um, during breast cancer treatment, so the only recommend this is this is basically it's basically saying no strong evidence supports the use of ingested dietary supplements to manage breast cancer treatment related side effects. So we're usually pretty hesitant on prescribing uh, herbs and that sort of thing because um, first of all, I mean everything's kind of at level zero when we're when going through treatment, and uh, and I believe that we we're reaching and striving for homeostasis without side effects. So, right. and, and I know that this is a different case scenario, like after and during recovery time, we can work with all kinds of things, but um, but a lot of patients will ask, like, can I use these supplements or that sort of thing? So there's not evidence to support it right now as far as during treatment. So I, I just, I don't know if your experience, if you did, uh, if you recommend that or have use up any supplements during breast cancer treatment, but we've usually just, you know, shied away from that and used acupuncture uh, and massage and different, you know, relaxation techniques and found that to be extremely helpful. So, um, so what's your take on that?
0: Well, you know, when I work with clients, this is always a hot button topic. So there's, there's a couple of ways that I go. I do believe that there are certain supplements that everyone can benefit from. And there is... Um, evidence that some supplements can help, can help with the inflammation aspect of not only cancer, but the treatments that there are some that are safe and effective. The problem is when you combine that with with, uh, active treatment, with oncology medication, with radiation, myself as a practitioner, I always defer to the oncologist. So the best advice I can give someone, a lot of oncologists, uh, dismiss supplements not because they, 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 they do it because they don't know. D- Doctors are not trained in supplements and nutritional interventions. So a lot of times they're just dismissive of anything that's not what they know, which is the oncology medication. But if that's who you're working with, you have to defer to them because they've got the big guns. They're giving you medications, and, and medication and chemotherapy can interact with supplements. So the worst thing that I hear is when women tell me, Oh, I'm just not telling my doctor that I'm taking them. Right. That is the worst outcome because they can't interact and you can have a negative reaction. I actually years ago heard about a woman who who actually died from surgery because she didn't tell the anesthesiologist the natural supplements she was taking. So, you know, you always you always have to inform your practitioner. If you've got a practitioner who's not supporting you in what you want to do and you want to take a more integrative approach and you want to use supplements, then you need to find another practitioner. You need to find one that's open to um, exploring that, but the worst outcome is to not tell them at all. So when I work with women and they're in treatment, you know, I can give them information and I, I can support them in that, but it always has to go through their managing oncologist's It's a whole different world once they've finished treatment because that's where I feel like doctors don't have much to offer. It's like the day you finish chemo or the day you ring the chemo bell, it's like come back in a year and let's hope it hasn't come back or three months or six months or whatever. That's where I feel like supplementation can make a huge difference in getting your, um, health back and getting your stamina back and getting your stability back. And I really believe that there are a number of supplements that that I have seen work with my clients within a matter of a couple of weeks, particularly around the area of brain fog and exhaustion. Just some very simple supplements that I've recommended. And I've had women calling me in two weeks saying that it's the difference between night and day. So that's an area where I feel a little bit more able to support women around um, more targeted recommendations. Because as I said, the worst outcome is to not tell your doctor what you're taking. And we have to defer to the doctors. If that's the path that women have chosen, then that's the path they've chosen and we have to respect that. And the doctors have to have all that information on board.
1: Right. And I mean, certain things that we think are helpful for other conditions are actually could be harmful during this stage. So they um, mentioned that um, acetyl-L-carnitine is not recommended to prevent chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy due to possibility of harm. So they found some things were harmful. And I think that um, that's when the research part comes into play. But when in doubt, leave it out. That's what we say. Right. <laughs> so, right. um and, you know, I mean, the other things that the people ask us about, like, can you help with, uh, we mentioned nausea, vomiting, um, you know, I mean, there's definitely the rise of medicinal marijuana for this, and then uh, some patients will use that in conjunction with acupuncture. Obviously, we're not sub- you know, supplying the medicinal marijuana, but we're uh, we're treating in conjunction with that, that sort of treatment. And in Florida, anyway, it's legal now to, to obtain that for chemotherapy, nausea, vomiting. Um, so we see that, you know, a combined approach actually is really helpful. And there's something called electroacupuncture that you can use, uh, and you hook up the needles to a little, it uh, looks like a TENS unit sort of device. And it provides a steady current to the needles. It sounds really painful, but it's not. Um, and it, what it does is it actually strengthens the treatment and the effect a little bit um, to those nausea points. So when you, you do that, um, they're getting continuous stimulation to that not those uh, nausea acupuncture points, and we see a stronger effect with that. So that was actually uh, rated a grade B for effectiveness and, um, for vomiting. Uh, so, you know, some patients were feeling so bad that they will stay for a couple hours just with those needles in, in the office and, you know, getting that relief that it's important because, uh, it's not, it's not easy to get through it. Um, there's also, uh, relaxation techniques as well and acupressure. We do teach the acupressure points to do, um, There's something called C-bands sometimes that are helpful. Um, We do use ginger sometimes. And actually, ginger is safe in this particular aspect. I feel like it's more treated as a food. So it's not necessarily, I guess, a supplement. But we do recommend that even for our pregnant patients. And that is safe to take. So that's one thing that you can do.
0: That's something that I learned when I was a flight nurse many years ago. The pilot was telling us one day that um, his wife would get nauseous if you mentioned the word airplane. Forget about getting on one. But, you know, I was like, that must be interesting being married to a pilot. And he said the only thing he had, they had tried the bands, you know, that you wear around your wrist that are pressure points or whatever. And um, had tried visualization and tried everything. And he said the only thing that worked was actually ginger tablets. Yeah. And uh, ginger, you know, seems to be really effective to help with nausea. And yeah, yeah, they can
1: definitely. Mm-hmm. Ginger tea, I mean, even our pregnant patients that are having, unfortunately, nausea and vomiting throughout the pregnancy, um, if we can treat early enough, uh, and this goes the same role really uh, with, with cancer treatment, if we can actually treat earlier rather than later after it's actually accelerated and become worse, then we find that the results are better. So, I would uh,
0: imagine um, earlier and consistently.
1: You're right, yeah, and sometimes we end up treating, th- you know, three or four times a week in certain cases, but um, def- definitely to manage acute symptoms, so... Um, So, you know, we also have uh, patients who are concerned. We talked about uh, lymphedema in your case, Mm -hmm. going through treatment with um, lymphatic drainage and that sort of thing. Um, Low-level laser therapy is something that actually was um, rated as effective for that as well. And that's what we use in our office, too. Um, So it's a little handheld laser. Um, and I mean it's bigger than the uh, little pen light lasers but um, it's actually uh, it, it's, some people call it laser acupuncture um, but you can use that to actually help with drainage and sometimes you can see an immediate difference with it which is pretty cool um, a lot of veterinarians will use that for pain for, um, in, in animals as well um, and you know we use it also for neck and back pain and that sort of thing and it works very well so that's another safe thing no side effects and and um, you don't want to puncture that area usually. We don't acupuncture that area. So low-level laser is one of those things that are, it's really helpful.
0: That's really great to hear. And I just learned this from you recently that acupuncture could be used in lymphedema. You know, lymphedema is another one of those things that that most breast cancer patients have to worry about. And in its, in its worst form can be really debilitating. For me, that was the core complication that I, that I had. I had massive lymphedema that accumulated in my chest, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of uh, cc's of of lymph fluid would accumulate because um, I didn't even have massive um, lymph resection. I just had two lymph nodes removed, but that was enough to shut down my lymph system on that side from being able to evacuate that lymph fluid. And that fluid is actually what eventually became infected. I ended up having several surgeries to deal with that. So this is a really big problem. And I have met women who once it extends down the arms, that it it becomes actually debilitating. And and it's actually a lifelong risk once you're at risk for it. So it's really great to know that there's another treatment available. The only thing that I found at the time, and even that was considered kind of out there, was a physical therapist who was a a lymphedema specialist. But it's really great to know that there's another treatment, which is the low-light laser therapy.
1: Yeah, the laser therapy um, is is probably going to be preferable in some cases to acupuncture in this particular thing. I mean, I, I, I think that it's more comfortable. So a lot of times, if you have lymph node removal, you actually, it's contraindicated a lot of times to needle that area. So right. um, we don't want to go near there. I vote again for the laser treatment. I think it's great. And um, it's only about five to 10 minutes really per area that you're right. doing. Not very much right. at all. So
0: yeah. Um, I don't know if you personally do it, but do you have any thoughts on cupping, which is something that I know some acupuncturists do?
1: Right. I mean, again, I feel like you have to be careful with cupping. Um, it's being used a whole lot more since the Olympics, I noticed. I know. Yeah. Um, it's just it's become like massage therapists, everyone. They're using cupping now. I just think you have to be careful, especially if you've had any tissue damage or surgery or anything like that, because it, it, and also it's, it's quite strong. So um, sometimes I believe that's, you know, the, in Chinese medicine, we have to gauge, is the condition deficient or excessive? So if someone is too weak, we have to be careful to avoid too much cupping in that area. Um, But I think that in, you know, it can help with pain alleviation. So we do use it quite a bit for low back pain and neck pain and, You know, there's uh, pain and, you know, hip pain, all kinds of things, uh, followed by acupuncture, a lot of times, or, you know, some people use it alone. But basically, everyone asks, what the heck does this do? <laughs> right. What is this doing, you know, besides causing, you know, a little mark there? Well, what it is doing is kind of enhancing circulation, because a lot of times when we have pain, that muscle actually is in spasm, and there is lack of blood flow going on there, and it's kind of, feel trigger points and all kinds of stuff, headaches and everything else. So it's bringing more circulation back into the muscles. Actually, it's stretching out the fat fascia and acupuncture actually works with fascia i mean that's one of the reasons it's so effective because it actually has it works with connective tissue uh cupping similarly will actually stretch out fascia that's actually been knotted up and the fascia acts like it's basically um like saran wrap around the muscles and it can kind of knot up and get very dried out so the cupping actually just um i you know i think it, it it really does help with the range of motion a lot of times, that sort of thing as well. So, um, so I've had some surgeons actually recommend cupping to uh, the patients who have had shoulder surgery. Because I mean, it's really uncomfortable, actually, to do it. By the way, after surgery, <laughs> it's oh, I like imagine. I feel like I feel like we're torturing people. But uh, but once you know that, once you get in a few treatments, I mean, the the results are much better as far as the range of motion, and it's worth it. So um, that's one of the things. So so yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely uh, alternatives. There's treatments that you can do that that'll be very helpful.
0: What are your thoughts around using acupuncture and? Uh, different modalities to deal with neuropathy, which is so common for uh, women going through treatment.
1: Um, Yeah. So neuropathy, similar principle. We're actually going to use electroacupuncture a lot of times. um, And that's just something that we've noticed is going to be a little stronger. Um, The guidelines, I'm just looking at to see what they recommended for neuropathy, For that, and just going through it here, um, not a lot of information. Just what they didn't recommend is again the acetyl carnitine. um, But uh, for our in practice, we found that it's very helpful. Uh, We do sometimes use massage in in conjunction with the electroacupuncture as well. So um, Mm -hmm. that's really helpful. The the other thing I want to stress is quality of life. Like I feel like in some cases. we're just there to support whatever is, is happening in the body. And when we cannot control the outcome. Well, we have to know that, I mean, that we're just, we're here as a as support staff, really. And so, in cases where um, we're, we're just, uh, some patients will call us and they can't get out of their house. I mean, that's it. Right. And uh, we're basically providing acupuncture hospice care. In a way. So that quality of life, that's actually what they stressed in this study as well, or this review of studies and research, is that acupuncture was helpful in improving quality of life. Right, Um, right. Sometimes the, the goal is basically to help increase the appetite a little bit, a little bit with the energy, and to help with pain relief. So, yeah, those things actually can be accomplished a lot of times uh, with natural treatment techniques, um, which is like acupuncture, meditation, yoga, um, qigong, uh, stress management, or reflexology, that sort of thing. So all those are considered helpful. Um,
0: Oh, for, <laughs> This is yeah. a little bit of a sidetrack, but I have to say, um reflexology, which I love um, uh-huh. foot reflexology once I found that that was like magic, so at one point in time, I went to a training and uh so she would split the the class fifty fifty you know into givers and receivers, but the problem is is that um. If you were receiving, you missed about half the content of the class because within seconds, everyone who was receiving would fall asleep because it was so relaxing and so wonderful. And and so then you wake up and you'd be like, "What did I miss?" We were in a class, but you really had to balance it against being so relaxed. Actually, one of the things that is really great if someone eat reflexology in their um, offerings, and it, it's a really wonderful, non-invasive, relaxing. Um, intervention that can be really, really helpful and just lovely. I mean, not just in alleviating symptoms, it just can help you feel better.
1: Yes, that is true, um, and we do, uh, sometimes we'll do a whole session with reflexology for half an hour, um, acupuncture, and then a meditation, so people kind of just float float away right. <laughs> out right. of the office or don't want to leave, you know. Right, exactly. Uh, so you can combine things, and you can see what works for you. If you feel overly fatigued, you might not need all that in one session. You might just spread that out, you know. Right,
0: Right. Um, Well, I love what you're saying about quality of life because um, this is a real hot button topic for me, particularly when it comes to some of the long term treatment options that women have to make choices around. Basically, the medications, the aromatase inhibitors, and tamoxifen. A lot of women get through that relatively effortlessly, but a significant number of women experience huge quality of life issues. They're, they have incredible amounts of pain, um, exhaustion, fatigue, brain fog, to the point where they can't function. And too often, they'll go to their doctors and the doctors will be dismissive or tell them it's all in their head or basically it's like well it doesn't really matter because there's no option you have to stay on these medications anyway and and quality of life is really dismissed but i, I what i like to encourage people to do is really think about what are the words quality of life you know and and we really need to Be respectful and mindful of that because it's not okay to just survive to be feeling sick, miserable, exhausted, and unable to participate in your life. You know, that's not a quality of life that anybody wants, and that's where all of these different modalities really have something to offer in terms of helping alleviate that.
1: Right. And definitely um, when you're talking to your providers, they might actually have uh, recommendations for you already of of acupuncturists they work with or reflexologists and that sort of thing. Or even if it's incorporated, I think it should be in actually all the cancer centers by now. (laughs) There's enough research out there, you know. Um, But, you know, sometimes you have to do your own. We've had, you know, patients ask their doctors and they're like, well, I don't know, just look online. <laughs> right. So, right. So it's sometimes, uh, it's great to actually have, you know, a network if they're able to do that, you
0: know. Well, and I know we both deal with this with our respective clients and our specialties. You know, once again, doctors are... Are great at some things, but some of them they don 't know anything about these other modalities, so if you go to your doctor and they 're dismissive of it that doesn 't mean they 've got all the answers. Doctors do not have all the answers, so they just they just may not know they may not care, they may not be interested. so if somebody did want to find an acupuncturist, what are some guidelines that you would recommend? that people use to find somebody in their local community if they don't know anybody or some resources.
1: Right. I mean, the, um, I would first check with your oncology group if they have, uh, practitioners that they work with. And then if not, um, then there are organizations. We, I'm a member of the reproductive, um, the American board of oriental reproductive medicine. So we do work with, um, female health conditions, fertility issues, as you mentioned, patients who are going through fertility treatment, um, who perhaps are diagnosed with cancer. Um, they are, we are actually you know, uh, experienced and working with reproductive health. So that would be, um, you could go to aborum.org and you could find out practitioners in your area. If you don't see any practitioners there, um, then, you you know, you might want to search for other organizations, perhaps that in your area that are support groups and that sort of thing too. But um but I think that you know, and and NCCAOM is a credentialing accrediting body. So that's in the majority of states in the United States, they're actually going to be um, the resource to go to to find an acupuncturist in your area too. Uh, and other websites like AcuFinder, that sort of thing. Where you're, you know, um, you do have to be licensed in most states to practice acupuncture. So um, you will you know, find uh, licensed practitioners there as well, according to your zip code.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that can be really intimidating because if it's not something you've done, it's like, where do you start? I know that this could be you know, a whole uh, series of, of shows in and of itself, but I did just want to make sure that we did mention the issue of fertility while you're going through treatment. I know fertility is, is um, and dealing with fertility issues is your specialty. I was wondering if you could just speak to that, if you had any recommendations for women who are struggling with issues of fertility um, in terms of, of questions they may ask or resources they could uh, check out. I know it might be putting you on the spot a little bit, but I'm wondering if you have any, anything to say about that.
1: Well, I would first start with your reproductive endocrinology practice because uh, they a lot of them do incorporate acupuncture um, into the IVF treatment or they recommend it. they will recommend an acupuncturist. The Aborum website, again, is great because it has a lot of information about that. And I'd say like that the biggest hurdle to overcome is actually it's the shock of, okay, now, you know, well for instance we had a patient who was diagnosed with uterine cancer um, and was scheduled for her IVF cycle the next month like okay we're I mean, immediately—not even the next month—but we're going to go ahead and retrieve those eggs. Uh, we're going to take your uterus out, and then you will find a surrogate. All of that is a lot to take in, mm-hmm. um, especially because she just was trying to prepare for an IVF cycle, um, and you know her cycles were were usually with acupuncture. You see things improving. In her case, they were not improving at all. I sent her back to her reproductive endocrinologist, and they actually did a biopsy, and they found uterine cancer. Which you know is it's rare, but it does happen, and uh, that that happened to her. Um, that they actually found the area incidentally. I don't think they were looking for that at all. Um, but that's a, just a routine test that they do before an IVF procedure a lot of times. So um, in her case, she was. It was just. You know, bam, bam, bam. So it was basically like, if you can get the acupuncture done during that time when you have a ton of stress going on, you also have to prepare to help these medications work the best. I mean, you need good blood flow. Hopefully, your cortisol level is not sky high, even though it probably is. Um, uh, acupuncture helps with that. So. The goal is to actually get healthy eggs uh, to retrieve so that uh, they can be either frozen for a later time to fertilize at some other point if you don't have a partner, um, or if you do, they will, and you want to go ahead, they will go ahead and fertilize those e- uh, eggs to create embryos um, and freeze them until you can find a surrogate if you don't have a, a uterus. Um, or if that's, you know, one of the, the, the uh, protocols that you're going to do. So um, in, in that case, that's what uh, the patient did. She was able to have a healthy baby uh, with a surrogate um, and thank goodness, you know, catch the cancer in time. Um, so that's one of the things that we love about working integratively because, you know, we need, uh, we need a team and we need a village sometimes, honestly, to work really? with women's health. So uh, as you know, it does take a village sometimes. So if if we can have good communication between Different spectrums of the scale as far as integrative treatment, um, Western medical treatment. And I think that's the best scenario for the patient, too. Just not to be afraid to to talk to your doctor about what supplements you're doing, things that you'd like to do um, if you want to do acupuncture and things like that. You don't have to be embarrassed to tell them. I mean, by now, they should actually know that the research exists. This was published by the American Cancer Society, all the things that we talked about in 2017, actually. So very, somewhat recently, but if you kind of get the actual, the, the response like, well, you can do it if you want, it doesn't really help. That's not true. It actually does help. Right. <laughs> There's research right. to show that. So, um, so that's easy to pull up, but maybe we'll put the link on your on your show notes too. Um, yeah, that'd be great. To this, yeah. So that's it. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd, I, you know, I'd love to um, to help anybody who needs any help um, finding out some answers as far as their treatment. I'm not great at. F- locating practitioners around the world, but that's what the internet is for, and so there's some really great tools to do that, um, and I know you often get those questions, too, like, where can I find a functional right. medicine practitioner? Well, I'm yeah. here to tell you, she, Deborah is the best, so oh, she's you. the one to call. You don't have to even call anybody else. Uh, <laughs> she works with people all over the world, and right. she's right. actually my go-to. If I ever have any questions whatsoever about hormones, she's the person I turn to, so, uh, you know, can't recommend
0: enough. And,
1: um, so, yeah, hopefully that's been helpful. And I, I think that um, I'm so excited that we were able to talk about this. Because oh, this
0: definitely. definitely. This is, we're living
1: in a great time where the research exists and, you know, and integrated medicine is here.
0: Well, and, and also what's really great for our listeners is that um, Um, I get contacted very frequently by women who live in smaller communities. I myself was living in one um, until a few weeks ago. They live in smaller communities. They may not have access to integrative practitioners. And the fact is, is is that you don't necessarily have to physically be in the same area. I know I work with people long distance. I know you do as well. There are certainly certain treatments, physical treatments that you can't do, but we can certainly work with people in terms of advising and consulting and helping them figure out some of these treatment paths. You had mentioned um, it takes a village. And and I think if there's one thing that I really emphasize with everyone is that is that doctors, the whole world of medicine, I mean, I'm not even really, um, this isn't about uh, doctors, but the whole world of medicine has really become more and more specialized the last couple of decades. So the thing is, is that's really great that we have specialists like oncologists or, or endocrinologists, if that's what you need, or cardiac people or whatever. But the thing is, is that that doesn't mean that they know in depth the information you need outside their specialty. An oncologist is probably an excellent, best resource to talk to about chemotherapy medications, may not be the best person to talk to about hormone imbalance. That's just not what they study. That's not in their specialty. But unfortunately, in the practice of what happens day to day, doctors don't don't tend to say, well... Let me refer you to somebody who can help you with that. Sometimes they'll just be dismissive, you know, or sometimes you can get so many specialists, like an endocrinologist and a an oncologist and a surgeon, and they're not talking to each other. So I, I think that that's really where being an integrative practitioner can really be a support for people is to really be able to look at this bigger picture of your health and and what your goals are just because you're diagnosed with cancer doesn't mean that you necessarily give up all of your goals for family planning you know so being able to look at it at a, at a, in a in a bigger way and and really pull these pieces together about hormones and stress management and and treatments and all of that is is really very valuable and it doesn't mean that what your specialist your oncologist is saying is not valuable it's just not their area of expertise
1: yes, I agree, so I think that and, it's it's important to have a yeah a community that can help you uh, the group the group programs are excellent too
0: right and, and I think well that- i you know I, I you know my group program I really gear that towards giving people the foundations you know the fundamentals and one of the things that that really concerns me in the area of integrated medicine is is um, i'll get um, i'll get or alternative, or whatever you want to call it. But I'll get um, inquiries from people, and they'll give me a whole list of supplements that they're on, and what I think of them. Well, I don't know every supplement on the planet. There are are ones that I know that are evidence-based that are helpful, but sometimes people find these really weird things out there on the internet or their friend gave it to them. And it's like, I don't know if this is helpful or not. And the one thing that you want to be sure of is that you're not just taking a bunch of stuff just because it's there. So so I really think working with somebody is is really the best approach. So um, in closing, I just want to make sure that people know how they can contact you if they, if they want to ask specific questions or uh, have any follow-up?
1: Yeah, uh, our website is floridacompletewellness.com and uh, they can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. And you know, we do have an email link and a contact form as well. And also we have our uh, podcast, the PCOS Revolution uh, for those of you struggling with hormonal imbalances as well.
0: Great, great. And I will list all of that on the show notes page and as well as some of the other resources we've talked about today. Great. So um, I just want to thank you so much. This has been so informative and so helpful. And it's always fun to talk to you. You know.
1: Yes, always. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I enjoyed
0: it. For our listeners, thank you for joining us. And as we've mentioned, I will have show notes listing some of the links and some of the things that we've talked about in today's show. You can always reach me at RadicalHealthRN at gmail.com and through my website at www. Dot mindbodynutritionrn.com. There I'll have information about how you can set up a free complimentary uh, consult to talk about what your needs are and how integrative interventions might help. And I certainly have information about individual and group coaching. Please feel free to reach out to me as well. Thank you for joining us today. And until next week, take care. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or feedback, you can reach Deborah at RadicalHealthRN at gmail.com or her website, www.MindBodyNutritionRN.com. You can also find us on Facebook under Boobs Aren't Worth Dying For. For future episodes, subscribe on iTunes, where you can also leave positive reviews. Until next time.